This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. All right, you got questions, we got answers. And we have a brilliant panel here. I want to introduce them. This is Clayton Small. He and his lovely wife, Courtney, head up our youth, Ark Youth. They do a great job. I've been very impressed, not just with the activities they do for our youth, but the heart that they have for our youth and the desire to see them grow. He does a great job. And we have Dr. Ellen Moore. Dr. Ellen Moore has an earned doctorate in education and leadership, and she is responsible for the past 13 years for what she has done here at the Ark with your children, and have done a great job. Not just, we don't babysit kids, we, we minister to kids. And so they've done a wonderful job. The lovely lady here, oh, I, how could I forget? <laughs> this, is, this is Matt Clayton, he is our oldest. He is responsible for a lot of the media and the creative elements that you see here uh, in the church. Matt's also the head and founded MCM ministry. That ministry sets up playgrounds in third world countries. They just yesterday built their 40th playground in the country of Kenya. So give him a hand clap. Now the lovely lady here on my head is, is my, my wife, Joy, who is a huge blessing to this church. She ministered last week on guilt. If you didn't hear that one, you want to hear that. And uh, you can get that. And so... The questions are going to come, and here we go. All right. So all these questions are off the cuff, meaning they have no idea what we're going to throw at them. Um, if you see on the side screens a number, you can text that number, your questions. Uh, we're trying to field as many questions as we can. Um, if you don't see your question answered here, you definitely want to check out um, the other services. Every service is totally unique, and we'll be posting all three on Facebook and on YouTube, so you want to check that out. Let's see the first question. This one goes to you, Dad. It says, um, is it going to be two years or five years before Matt puts you to pasture and becomes the pastor of the Ark Church? <laughs> it's, if I could answer that, it will be the second day after hell freezes over. <laughs> right. good to know. <laughs> yes, it is. Just take that one, mark it off. Um, okay, here's the real first question. Um, this one goes to Pastor Alan and Joy, mom and dad. How do we establish healthy boundaries with my in-laws? Um, by the way, this disclaimer, Kelly, I did not ask this question. <laughs> You want me to, to go first? Um, first, you get a gun, and then you get a. No, uh, I think I think first you have to understand where the where the priorities are, and when I married Joy, that became the number one priority. That became the, the top family, and so Joy, our relationship with one another, our relationship with God, and and then our our children, we place that as as a top. As, as the top priority. Everything else has to, you have to find, um, you have to find healthy levels of boundaries. And quite honestly, that can also encounter some difficult conversations. And because you've got some families that are very involved in, in their, their children's life and haven't learned how to back out, some are, have a, a natural sense of it. 
And so you pretty much have to clarify things. And it, uh, it, it's, it's not always easy, but, but it's healthy. And so it's, a, it's, it's something where you're going to have to communicate. In other words, don't expect for them to get it. And I know you want to jump in here somewhere. You're looking at me like I'm getting that look. <laughs> I think you have to, for me, I've had to realize that boundaries are very kind. They're really good. Jesus had them. He said to Peter, James, and John, you're coming with me. Everybody else has to stay. You see the land goes here. The water goes here. Boundaries are all over the scriptures. And when I saw that, I realized, well, then they're good and healthy for me too. And it doesn't mean you're dishonoring your parents. I think you're honoring the Lord first by going, I'm going to tend to my marriage and I'm going to honor you, but it's not unkind to have boundaries too. Um, th it actually makes things uh, sweeter and right. doesn't feel uncomfortable. And you're not doing things um, that aren't from the genuineness of your heart. And I, I like that part about boundaries a whole lot. That, that is, a, is a topic that I probably am going to want to do a, either a message or a series about. Because it's one of the most important things that we find that people are dealing with is, is marriage is challenging enough without a lot of extra input and pressure. And so one of the keys of boundaries is being able to help you navigate that. And if you have healthy boundaries with your in-laws, it, it makes it a lot easier. But this, uh, don't let me ramble, we could go on for this one. Okay, um, Ellen, how do we effectively discipline our children? Nice and open-ended. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be specific. Yeah, exactly. It's like, can we get much broader? Um, I think it's good to remember kind of like what we were just saying with boundaries, that discipline is establishing some boundaries for our kids that are very healthy, that it is a very necessary and real part of life. It's also something that makes kids feel safe and secure when they know what their boundaries are and those boundaries stay consistent. So to establish the boundaries, and I would say, you know, on a super practical level, keep them super simple. We had three primary rules at our house. Um, it was obey first time, tell the truth, and be respectful. And it doesn't have to be, just about everything could be rolled under one of those three. So keeping it simple, but then keeping it firm and consistent, that those boundaries don't move. So every time you don't tell the truth, a consequence happens. And every time or you try to, when they do, you give the positive reinforcement and bless what you can see when they get it right and redirect when they get it wrong. But when those boundaries are established, communicated, and secure, they're true all the time, not just, well, if I'm in a good mood, it doesn't, you can get by with it. Good. Kids thrive with safe and secure boundaries. Great answer. Very good. We didn't even talk about beating them at all. That was, I thought that was No. <laughs> I did say there were consequences. <laughs> Yeah, we had consequences. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> you had a lot yeah. of consequences. I just still feel it. Okay. <clears throat> this one's to you, Clayton. 
Our teenager is sexually active. Short of locking them in their room, what do we do? <laughs> nice, easy Lock one. In the room. <laughs> um, the chastity belts have gone yeah. out of fashion. But uh, yeah. um, That's one of the things that has come up in all three services that is just you know, so clear and so strong is the more you can have conversations about it, the better. Um, I think if your student knows that they can talk to you about those things, the better off you're going to be in the long run. A lot of times I have students, they'll come back, they'll ask for prayer, they're dealing with stuff. They don't know how to communicate it to their parents. You'd be surprised how many know that that's not what they want to be doing, but they don't know what to do about it. And their thoughts or their feelings are, if I tell my parents, it's over, it's done. And so I think you have to have that sense of discipline. At the same time, you have to have a relational approach that says, my child can come talk to me about one of the hot, hottest button, you know, hot topic buttons there is out there. So they know that they can come talk to it. Now, if they're not open to talking and you know about that, that's where I think you have to pull the parent card and do the hard task, the hard work of sitting down and saying, hey, talk to me about how you're doing in this area. Hey, what's going on here? Is there anything I can help you with? And give them permission to talk. Give them permission to open up yeah. instead of just, I'm busting you in the act. Let's, hey, let's talk about this. Um, I think wins more often than not for the long run. Because when you go postal. Yeah, uh, uh, World War III. As, as a parent, I'm sorry for those of you that work in the post office, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> when you just go crazy, yeah. then it stops all conversation. Yeah. And so the ability for them to come in and, yeah. and, and talk is huge. It's the consistency thing. If they know what they're going to get when they come to you, they want to know that they can um, and that you care and that you'll help them. Would you put consequences on this individual who is sexually active? I think it depends on their heart. Okay. If, if your child is open to talking to you about it, I think it's very possible to not have any consequences. A story, when I was 12 years old, um, I stumbled across some inappropriate content on the Internet for the first time. I thought about it all night long. When my dad came home, you know what I did? I went and I told my dad. And the very first words out of his mouth were, I'm so sorry that you found yourself in that situation. Mm. I'm so sorry that you felt the need to do that or that you were exposed to that. And there were no consequences. And I knew from that point in time that he was a safe person to go to. That's there good. was security. And so um, it opened the door. So sometimes consequences, sometimes no. That's a great question. That's a great, great answer. That's, mm. really That's really good. Okay, this one's for mom and dad. Um, how do you move on after your wife of 17 plus years cheats on you and breaks up your family with three young children? You don't move on easy. Uh, you know, I, I think there's no way, there's no way around the pain of that. The only thing I, I can say is it, it, keep yourself in a place where you can hear words of, of encouragement, where there are people that love you. If you can work through the pain to deepen your relationship with the Lord, that will help you. Uh, what you don't want to do is get so isolated and, and bitter that your children see, feel the consequences of it. And so you're going to want to talk to some people you're going to want to pray with some people. You're going to want to keep, the challenge is going to be keeping your heart. 
because the event will pass away. But if, boy, if you don't guard your heart in this area, you can get really bitter. And so no easy answer, but if you're out there listening to me, come to us. Let us help you. And let us, you don't have to walk through this alone. I just, you know, and I'm so sorry that's happened. It's, it's, it's a painful thing. But God knows. And he addresses that in Psalm 147 where he said he comes to heal the brokenhearted and bandage up our wounds. And that word wounds actually means sorrows and grief. And anything that happens like that causes such sorrow and grief that it would probably be important just to go before the Lord and go, Father, I just ask you to heal my heart. The break in our relationship, the break in my heart and bandage up this sorrow so that I can help my children heal if you have children. And then three. along three children. So you're, you're like, you want to help your children heal. Also, I think asking the Lord, help me to just really forgive because, you know, you can get so upset about an adulterous situation that you're casting stones. And even Jesus, he told people, he said, put your stones down. You don't need to stone someone for the rest of their life. And you have to go, I forgive them. I let it go. Father, heal my heart of this sorrow and help me know how to help my children. And he will, he yeah. will do don't, that. Don't try to do this without him. Yeah. Yeah. He's right. All right, I have another question for both of you. How do you help a friend who has reached out about suicidal thoughts? That's another great question. Um, I, think, I think what Clayton and Ellen have talked about is, is, is such a good thing that when people come and share with us that they don't feel like they're going to be condemned or, or preached to. We want to hear what's going on. And then we, we want to see if we can get them to answer where are the thoughts going, why are they going this way, and depending on their relationship with the Lord, how can you begin to steer them and their thoughts? The thoughts are wrong. That's a thought from the enemy. It's not God. That's a demonic thought. That's yeah. having someone to take their life. And so how can we begin to steer them in a direction, in a scripture, what, what is it going to take to help them? But but encouraging them to, to talk about where they are, but then what can be done to it. And so, you know, it's funny, but at the risk of sounding so very superficial, we want to we want to somehow steer them towards the Lord and his love for them and desire to see them do well. And so that's something where you're there as a friend, they're listening, they're talking to you, you can, you can get them steered in the right direction. Do you deal with, with, with the suicide thing much with the kids? Yeah, a lot. Um, okay. More and more. Uh, we actually have prayer in the back of our services every week. We used to do it every other, other week, but kids would come every week, and they just wanted prayer, so we had to open it up. And that is one of the most common things we hear. Um, and, uh, and oftentimes what we counsel our leaders to do is they want to be heard. They want to they want to be listened to, and they want to know that somebody cares. And so the more you can speak into that and then realize I, again, back to the same concept, I can't control them. I can't make every decision for them. So I'm going to own what I can do and what the Lord can use me to do. And, and they are living their life and making their decisions in and, 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 and that regard. So uh, listen and care. Good. Ellen, this is a question for you. 
When two people are starting out or building a relationship, how do you successfully blend two families? And we need you to answer that in two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you've given me these. I'm trying to go easy. Simple. Yeah. Um, You're the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Not the kind that can. I have work. a medical, I have a rash. Yeah. <laughs> right here. I was just wondering if you no. could tell me what that is. No. No. Dr. Ellen Moore. Oh. Can, can we As my daughter said when she was three, oh, you're not the kind of doctor that can actually help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Very Megan. Yeah. <laughs> um, blended families um, has certainly a lot of challenges, but also it has a lot of opportunities. Um, and I think kind of going back to what we were talking about with boundaries and discipline, that if you can keep things as normal as possible, um, that, okay, somebody new has come into our life, but we still do things like we've always done them. Um, the rules are the same. The boundaries are the same. And um, I think providing that kind of security is very helpful. Um, it's also challenging because when they're not at your house, they have different rules and boundaries. But truthfully, that's life, is we're navigating who we're going to be in all kinds of different environments and circumstances. And so it's a good chance to help our kids with that. Um, I would say a couple of just like little practical things um, especially early on in a blended family, for each parent to discipline their oh, own children, yes. their biological children. Yes. Both of you are involved in loving and creating a um, happy and healthy environment, but when it comes to discipline early on, yeah. each parent disciplined their own kids with those negative consequences especially, positive reinforcement all day long, both of you. Um, and then just building relationships and remembering that what we want at the end of the day is healthy relationships. We want our kids to have healthy relationships with the Lord. So encourage them to, hey, I know this is hard. I want you to talk to me, but I want you to know you can talk to Jesus about this too, and he will help you. And we want healthy relationships with, between us and our kids and our new spouse and, their, and the kids. And so remembering that that's the goal is to build relationship, and it takes time. So I would say, too, allow yourself some time. Okay, this one's a follow-up. Um, Mom and Dad, what is your exact definition of boundaries? I think, I think boundaries deal with areas of, of, of authority and responsibility. Uh, we, have a, we have a rule here at, at the church, for example. Here, I'll give you an example for our staff. If you're on staff here, you're not allowed to drink in public. And the reason for that is, is that staff members are an example, and it could cause somebody else to stumble. Now, that may not agree with you, but here's, here's what I have said. That's a staff rule only in public. What you do in your home 
is on you. And that's your responsibility, and I can't speak to that. The reason I can't speak to that is I don't feel like I have any response, I, I don't have any authority about what you do in your own home. So I just said, listen, whatever you do in your own home, I said, just don't post it. If you have a tequila party, don't post it on Facebook. <laughs> but, but we're hoping you don't have a tequila party. I mean, but, but the idea is I can't tell you. So my authority stops, where my authority stops, that's where my boundary is. So someone, if you, you come into my home, then that, that's, where, that's the areas of, of authority that I have. So boundaries really begin to, you begin to outline, where do I have responsibility? Where do I have authority? When Matthew got married to Kelly, he left, he left our home. My authority stopped right there. So no longer can I look at Matt and go, hey, get a haircut and trim that beard. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. But, but, my, but my authority stopped. When, when Matt paid for his last two years of college, he came to me and said, I'm going to be a, what, were you, what was your major? Marketing. Marketing. So I'm going to do a marketing major. And I, I went, no, no, you're not. And, and I started telling him why he went. And then I stopped and realized because he's paying for it, he's responsible for it. I said, do what you want. Just graduate. And so understanding where our authority, see, that, that's where parents really get crosswise. Their kids get married and... And, and you say, to, why are you doing it this way? We never did it this way. Our family always did that. So you just extend it over. You don't have a responsibility there. And so as a, as a family, then I become, so when my parents would try to tell me what's going to happen, I'd say, no, no, this is how my family does it. And so understanding authority, understanding responsibility, that's a big question. And I hope I, I, hope I clarified it just a little bit. Yeah. Just, um, no. What's, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, what, no. What's the, what's the scripture? What's the scripture that says we carry each other's burdens like the big things, but not the everyday burdens? Because that word responsibility to me is a big one with it's boundaries. It's said bear one another's burdens, then each one shall bear his own burden. So yeah. it's talking about everyone bears their own responsibilities, but then the big ones, the boulders, yeah. we, we help each other. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good one. Good. <laughs> All right, Clayton, this one's uh, for you. What do I do as a young adult to prepare myself to start my own family? Start your own family. I don't know if they're going to get married first or what, but they're yeah. going to start their own Let, family. Well, I'd like to suggest they do. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage first, yeah. Yeah, then start good. the family. Start a family when you can, married. Yes, <laughs> you grow a family. We'll take that in the context of like dating. Maybe they're interested in becoming more. One of the things that we tell students this all the time, but it applies to every age, is set your standards. Know what it is that you're looking for, whether that's in dating or whether that's for your family. But this is our standards. This is what we're striving for. Uh, we, and we joke about this, but we always say it's like, if you don't know what it is you're looking for, then how, it, how are you ever going to know when you found it? One of the worst dating and pieces of dating advice I ever got was, um, you'll know when you know. And I'm like, well, what happens when you don't know? Right? <laughs> And um, I just think if you set the standards so that you don't settle for anything less than God's best or what it is that you're supposed to have. So if you're dating, set some standards before you do. 
Uh, attraction isn't everything, you know. But, um, you know, in Ruth and Boaz, in, in the story of Ruth, he talks about, uh, man, I've heard about you, your reputation. You have such noble character. Well, that's one of the things I'm looking for, you know, is a standard that says they have noble character. They're, you know, people know about them. They, they stand strong in our community. And so you're setting an example or setting a standard or setting a bar that says this is what I'm going for. That way you don't end up down the road somewhere saying, well, this is what I got. Well, I just, I just got here. Um, so set a standard and then keep the standards, you know. Mom, this one's for you. How do you move on from abuse and bad past experiences? Wow. How do you move on from abuse? and Again, I think first of all, and I can say this as a mom because my daughter went through this. So we went through this as a family. And I prayed a lot for her. I knew that, I'm like, God, I can't help her like you can. She has to connect with you. She has to know that she's valuable. When someone comes out of an abusive situation, they can end up trying to hurt themselves because they don't feel valuable. And so for Christina, her beginning, I could pray for her. And I was like, Lord, I'm just asking you to speak to her in the night, speak to her in the morning. I can't do it as much as you can. And he did. And when she began opening up her Bible and reading the Bible, she'll tell, she'd tell you the scriptures made her sound. The scriptures were healing to her. The scriptures are like, you're accepted in the beloved. And that was all she needed. No one, we can do things on the outside for people that we love, but we can't do something on the inside. So if you're coming free from that, God has freedom for you. He has something good for you. He values and loves you very much. You just have to read about that in the scriptures. You'll be amazed. It's so simple you can miss that part. I want to add something to that. Mm -hmm. if, if you're sitting there listening to this going, you know, every time I hear Alan and Joy talk, they talk about reading your Bible, getting close to God. We weren't that smart. We weren't that talented. And early on, we recognized we needed God in our life. And we had a rough marriage at the beginning, and we needed God to help us. So if it sounds like, well, you just go to God, go to God, that's a big part of it. And, and we had to pray, and we had to work through things, and we talked, and we, and we did, but we, we, we encouraged our scripture. You know, the, the kids grew up coming down in the morning for breakfast and seeing mom there praying. And so we felt like we needed to. We're not that smart. And we needed God's help. And so just recognizing that, we're not trying to be pithy or religious. But what we're simply saying is we made decisions early on. We're going to build our marriage. We're going to build our family. We're going to build our life around God. And as the kids have grown up and you go through that crazy time where it seems like, you're just, you're, your life is a whirlwind. And then you go through quiet times and through the seasons of life, the consistent factor has been God and his grace and his mercy and our ability to go to him. So I, I don't want you to hear us going, well, every time you, you listen to Joy say something, she starts off, well, I go to the scriptures and I pray. And honestly, <laughs> that's exactly what we've done. And it's helped us. Yeah. All right. Ellen, how do you successfully parent a strong-willed child? 
Here's Megan. I'm pretty sure she's here. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> that one's for you. Yeah. Um, strong-willed children are actually such a gift. And I actually... Um, <laughs> we, uh, we have two kids, and our son is the oldest. He was very compliant early on, um, very obedient. And then we had our daughter. <laughs> she became those things. Um, but I actually had, our kids were born in England, and the midwife told me that um, she had, the birth was a traumatic experience. But she said, when kids have to fight for their life, they become very strong-willed. And... I encourage you to look at this, that strong-willed is good. You just have to guide it in the right direction. And so um, we were very glad that our daughter was going to be a strong woman. Um, but we went through a lot of years of not being very glad. <laughs> <laughs> and it being a lot of hard work. But I will say, strong-willed children, just like all kids, just like we said earlier, I think it was this service, but those boundaries are so helpful. And the goal is not to break them, to, you know, mold them into being like you or like your other children or anything like that. Our goal as parenting is to help them become who God has created them to be and to accomplish his purposes on the earth. And so the fact that they have strong wills is a very good thing, but we do have to be just as strong-willed as they are to keep those boundaries intact. Yeah. And they will test them to the nth degree over and over and over but if you will stay consistent and those boundaries are the same every single time, it creates security for them and helps lead their strength in the right direction. And now she's a great, strong-willed young woman who loves God yeah. and loves people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, Mom and Dad, this is the last question do you have any guidance that you can give on dealing with an, an anxiety? anxiety? Anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety. Um, I think understanding first that the Lord doesn't want you burdened with anxiety, that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. So I'm going to know what the scriptures are saying. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to hold to that. Um, I'm going to watch the words that come out of my mouth. Um, I'm not calling myself an anxious person. I'm calling myself a strong person. There's death in life in, in, in your words. And so your words need to be words of life. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to verbalize every fear and, and anxiety I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to verbalize my faith and my belief. And so you can, you can combat that. And, and you, can, you can beat down anxiety. We're, we're about to run short time. You want, you want to add to that real quick? Um, just one thing in our family that we were talking about not long ago was um, we wish we had spoken more of our faith and trust in God than we had 
expressed our fears. We didn't know we say we were afraid, but there was a lot of anxiety and fear in how we did things, the motivation behind how we did things. And the Lord spoke to me, begin to say, I trust in you, Lord. Just begin to do that. And that made a, that makes a big difference in dealing with that. It did. Guys, we've got a lot of, yeah, some great questions. And some of these topics are huge. And so I hope you were able to pick up some tips, some things that will help. And uh, we, we may take some of these questions. I, I, we may spend some series off on these and, and take a look at some of these areas because this is where we live and, and this is reality. I, I don't want you to think any of us up here outside of joy are perfect. And uh, uh, all of us are learning and all of us are growing and it's always going to be that way. I, wanna, I want to, to speak to those of you who came. Maybe you came today and you're, and you're thinking, I don't even know if I have a relationship with the Lord. Or maybe you're thinking, I used to have a, a relationship with God and my heart has grown so cold and I've walked away from him. We're gonna pray. And, and I wanna give you an opportunity to make a change, a, a, a heart change this morning. We're gonna pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I'm gonna ask, please no one leave. Uh, if you'll give us just a couple of minutes here. But if you're here today and you say, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord or I'm not sure I do. Or, Alan, I've, I've gone away from God. I know it and he knows it, but I wanna come back. And I, I, wanna, I wanna make sure I'm connected to him. This, this prayer is for you. I'm not gonna have you stand up. I'm not gonna have you come down to the front. But right where you are, this is a, a connection prayer. I'll lead you in it. If it's you that I'm talking to, you say, you know what? I want to have a relationship with God. I need him in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up just across this auditorium? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Wonderful. You can put your hands down. Hands have gone up all over, but you, you can put them down now. And we're going to pray. And maybe you didn't lift your hand and you were thinking, oh, I really wanted to do that. I, I missed my opportunity. No, you can pray this with us. We're going to pray this out loud. In fact, we're going to join you as a church family. I'm going to encourage you to pray it out loud as well so you can hear yourself what the heart man believes and what the mouth confession is made to salvation. So we're going to pray this prayer together. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your help. Thank you that my sins have been washed away. I'm clean and new and can stand before you unashamed. Thank you, Lord, for your hope, for your help, for your healing. Father, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer today, for those who made a decision to come and turn their hearts towards you, not only for them, but Father, I pray for those in here, those who came in hurting, those who came in needing hope and needing help. Thank you that you're bigger than all and able to help them during this time. Lord, I give you all the praise for that. 
In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.